0: Welcome to episode 16 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I am Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, May 30th, 2019. Thank you to all of our listeners, old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you have on repeat. How are you today? Good. It's the end of May. It is. Are you enjoying our lovely summer weather? We've moved right into June gloom. So it's, it's foggy and misty and... I have chili. We're wearing We're both wearing sweaters.
1: Sweater. <laughs> I'm wearing Warriors blue because it's game one tonight.
0: Oh, that's true. Yes, my sharks are not in the Stanley Cup. I'm oh, sorry. So I'm rooting for the Bruins because Simon's from Boston, so it's almost as good, but it's not, not the most perfect that it could be.
1: Yeah. And go Warriors. Thank you. I'm going to make a big batch of chili.
0: Oh, perfect. Because it's freezing. <laughs> yes, it's freezing, yes. All Speaking right, so- of wool... Yes, um, so all our usual segments on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, probably sprinkle some summer predictions, we'll call them predictions, in there, what we're looking forward to doing. Have you crossed anything off the bingo chart? I have, yes, and at the end, let's talk about the bingo a little bit as well. There were a couple things that I wanted to kind of clarify, and then let's check in. Because I just chucked it out there. On the needles. I have no finished objects. I'm super close. No, it's not even true. I still have sleeves to do on my sweater, on my um, Little Bird sweater by Vera Valamaki. Um, But I did want to. there was a couple things I wanted to talk about since I haven't finished it yet. I didn't get as much done when I was traveling because I was just... Having fun with friends? I was having fun with friends. We weren't doing anything, but we were just sitting and chatting and... Yeah, Yeah, who wants to count rows when you're... Yeah. And I start... Oh, so it started off... I did do some knitting on the plane because I had a little hour long plane ride and I was knitting away and I'd almost finished a lace panel. I got to the final row and I realized I was doing the wrong lace pattern. Oh no. So that was super fun because you do, there's two different patterns. You do A and then some straight knitting and then B and then some plain knitting and you keep switching and I had done A twice and I thought about it and thinking, oh, maybe I can live with it. And I looked at it and I was like, no. And there was a friend of mine on the trip and she's a knitter also. And I showed it to her. She's like, yeah, no. <laughs> she's like, you're not gonna be able to live with that. So so the first thing I did, once we got to our house and checked in and kind of got settled, I went out to the pool. And I was like, I just have to fix this now. And pulled out the needles, ripped back 10 rows, picked up like over 200 stitches of lace weight yarn. <laughs> And then I think I knit one row just so I was back on track and everything was untwisted. Yeah, so that was fun. And then I think I didn't knit anything more on it until probably I got back on the airplane. Yeah, that's when I would take a 10-year pause. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I figured I had to do it then, just get it. Otherwise, it was, yeah, going to be a 10-year pause. But it ended up being not quite as awful as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty bad. But I was outside in the bright sunlight, so that kind of how they could actually see the stitches because the colorway is deep teal and it is pretty dark and it's the lace weight yarn. So it's really a very, very thin yarn, um, even even thinner than what you would use for knitting socks with. So if you think of like a lace shawl, kind of a bridal veil sort of thing, it's that. Maybe we should take a picture. I was thinking I would do a picture of the different yarn weights for comparison. So it'll be a really nice lightweight summer sweater layering piece. Um, but yeah, trying to, to knit that many stitches is slow going.
1: Absolutely.
0: But mm-hmm. um, I can't wait to see it. I mean, it's my favorite color and it's lightweight. And, and so it's there. Oh, and yet the other thing that was taking me a long time is, so I got to the end of the, reg- the the body and then you knit like an inch and a quarter of twisted ribbing, which is you knit a stitch well, you knit a twisted stitch. And then you do a purl stitch so you're you're constantly flipping the yarn back and forth but I wanted to make sure that the sweater was the right length before Mm -hmm. I started the ribbing the bottom ribbing so this is something that I've been hearing about from other knitters for their sweaters um, but I haven't ever done it before so I stopped what I was doing and I went and I picked up the next stitches and did the ribbing on that because that'll that'll change how the sweater hangs because the the ribbing kind of pulls in the top of it a little bit, right? right? If you've just got an open neck, that's just a cast-on edge, it'll hang differently than if you've got an inch and a quarter of twisted ribbing. So I wanted to make sure that it was hanging properly and that I didn't mess up. So if I, you know, had started knitting it and it was almost right, am I explaining this
1: clearly? I can't really picture it, but everyone else who knits proficiently can,
0: right? So like your sweater mm-hmm. has that ribbing, and that's kind of affecting how the sweater. Fits, Lays. Right, yeah. yeah. So if it didn't have that, it would lay a little bit lower on
1: shoulder. Like this keeps it where it's meant
0: to be, right. right? The neckline. Yeah. So if I didn't have that ribbing and I tried it on, it's going to fit differently. Absolutely. Than if I put it on. So I wanted to make sure that it was going to fit properly. So that just knitting that much twisted ribbing is what really I spent my time doing. It did look like it was going to be in the right spot. So I went and did it on the bottom. And then I just had to <laughs> relax and not look at the sweater for a day or two because a lot of really tiny stitches and you go down a needle size actually two needle sizes yeah that's the part I it was about. really yeah so that was a little bit now I'm onto the sleeves and that's just a lot of that's um just in straight stockinette and I think they're three-quarter sleeves so they should go pretty quickly
1: pretty what's the cuff on the three-quarter is it it's more
0: twisted ribbing so I'm trying not to think about that too much <laughs> that'll go fast though I hope so We'll see. It didn't on the other ones. And then I've got to figure out what I'm gonna knit next. I've got a couple of sweater knit alongs coming up. Last year I was able to combine the two. So we'll see how this goes this year. The one that starts first is the Yarniac's Colors of Fall knit along, which they do this every year. It goes from the summer solstice to the autumn equinox, the, the start and end dates. It's so wicked. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. That just makes it easier to remember when you're starting. Yeah, I'm teasing. teasing, it's fun. <laughs> um, and you look at the Pantone colors theoretically of fall, but you can do the colors of the year or the colors of spring if you're in the southern hemisphere. And you pick one of them, and it has to be somewhere in your garment, and you can knit or crochet or whatever you want to do something that you're going to wear in the next season. So you're getting ready for fall. Um, and the the fun thing they do is they you have to take a picture of it as part of an outfit. So you don't have to be modeling it; you can just lay it out on your bed or so. So you can see how people are going to wear their knits. So that fun. one's really fun. And I've got a I've got look at the colors, but there's you know like ten or twelve colors to choose from, so it's pretty easy to find something that'll work for you. I also have the four-day sweater knit along coming up. Have you heard about this one? I mean, did I tell? Because I did this it last mar- year. The marathon one. This is a sprint. Okay. Yes, you're right, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> So this is with Marie Green, and this is the third year I think she's done it. This is, and I did it last year, and she had some design deadline, and she just wanted to see if she could knock out a cardigan in four days. She had a long weekend. Um, it was kind of just a personal challenge to see if she could do it, and apparently a lot of people thought that sounded kind of fun, so she ended up designing a sweater or cardigan, you know, for the purpose of let's see how fast we can knit this. I think last year I'd managed to do it in six days and it wasn't consecutive. I did not sit down and knit for six days straight, although I was on vacation. So I did a big, yeah, a big big chunks. big chunks, but it was like you have two weeks to do the whole thing. And if you're knitting a larger size, then you have more time to knit um, like five or six days. So much time. <laughs> and the sweater is designed I me. It's in worsted weight wool, which is kind of a bigger size. Last year, it had three-quarter length sleeves. There was a button band, but no button holes. It was a really simple pattern that was easily memorized, so you could just kind of knit. It was raglan shape. You know, there was not a lot of shaping, nothing complicated. So and her thing is, like, I don't want anybody injuring. This is kind of a personal challenge to see. Yeah, we don't want you to bring st- on struggle tunnel. Yeah, or, stretch yeah. your knitting skills. See what you can do. You know, if you don't finish in two weeks, then great. Like, finish it when you can, but see, you know. If you have time and are able to see what you can do. And it's a really cute sweater. And then, so she released the pattern already, and signups are still open. And I was a little worried because it starts July 1st, July 4th. Anyway, someplace I was going to be um, away from Wi Fi <laughs> <laughs> on vacation, but away from Wi Fi. So I was kind of bummed about that. But it's worked out. The pattern will come out before I leave, and then the actual knit along will start when I'm on vacation. So I just have to wait to start. But last year, because of the colors and the yarn I was using, I was able to combine the two knit alongs, which is always a fun thing to do. So we'll see. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll just knit two sweaters, two different ones. Fun. As one does. (laughs) I
1: contemplated knitting um, this week when I was at the baseball championship games, Mm -hmm. because I needed a hat. Yes. So I ended up wearing one of the store-bought Giants hats that my guys have mm-hmm. and it's like super tight and it has a pom-pom on top and it says you know Giants right on the front and my problem is is it doesn't fit my hair like I need a hat that I can I have a lot of hair yeah. that I can put so you need a soft one or it needs to have a ponytail opening oh, in the those, back they have those diamonds. yeah <laughs> you could do that I still want the pom-pom on it, too. So. Oh, that could be tricky. I think I you know, need to go slouchy. No. Then it looks... I don't know. I just want all that hair tucked up inside. Yeah. But I did wear a hat for two <laughs> days in a row, freezing
0: at a ballpark. How about the sweater? Me made May is almost over.
1: Well, I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs>
0: you made progress, though?
1: I made progress. Yeah. But I still have so far to go. I mean, all of these sprinters would laugh, but it takes me a long time. I feel like I ha- even if it's stuck in it, I have to like watch what I'm doing.
0: Fair enough. It's not in muscle memory quite yet. No, for sure not.
1: Uh, I could probably draw it faster than I
0: could <laughs> actually. With all the individual in stitches? Uh huh. Okay. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, Simon did get me some beautiful yarn for Mother's Day, so that might be Bravo. my next project. It's makes, um, so it's a skein, a full skein of like a light gray and then a mini skein collection from, and it's all from Heloco. Uh, the colors are just beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of a speckly rainbow, mm-hmm. I guess. And so the pattern is Rainbow Wings. The designer is Knitting Expat, or at least that's her rivalry name. The pattern is part of a mini skein knit along collection she's doing. So you get the pattern each month. And this is, I think, the second pattern. There's a cute cowl or hat pattern. Anyway, so I decided to join it because it wasn't that expensive. And I do have lots of leftovers and a couple of mini skeins. Yeah, you need um, patterns for all of these. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, so the shawl is really, I think it's a triangular shawl and the rainbow does kind of a swoopy. Thing. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. So that might be my next project, kind of tide me over until the, the sweater alongs yeah. kick in. The yeah. sweater sprints. Well, the fall Sorry. one isn't, well, I guess for you it's a sprint. Um, yeah. It's only three, We have three whole months.
1: It's all running. Plenty of
0: time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, and I have another baby sweater that I need to do, need to, want to do. We have another baby coming in the family. And then um, my Alaska cowl, I need to oh, yes. do that too. So I have plenty of things to be keeping me busy coming up. Mm-hmm. So I have to finish I really like this sweater, which I really want to do. Good. So on the easel. The easel. Let's see.
1: I am doing my 100-day project. I think I might be a day behind.
0: <gasps>
1: we lost power. Oh, no. So I think it was sometime last weekend on Sunday. We had taken a family hike. We're all breaking in our new hiking shoes for our summer trip, which I don't think I've talked about at all, but we're headed to the Italian Alps in part, and we're doing some dolomite hiking. This is kind of tricky for me because I have this terrible knee and I have to be careful, but we got new hiking shoes. We were breaking them in. We came home from our hike, which was, you know, my knee was kind of... (laughs) Sore, and the power went out we brought down like some of the camp gear because pg&e said that it wasn't going to be back on until 11 p.m and this was at 5 p.m so we i drew by camp light nice in my bed with my neon ice and i didn't paint it till the next day so now i'm a day behind but anyhow I am doing teal or turquoise this week, Mm -hmm. which is my favorite color. And I think I'm going to paint that house that's right diagonally across the block, you know, a block away. There's a teal house Mm -hmm. with terracotta. I have several teal houses that are contenders for this week, but that one is great because of the terracotta contrast. I like it. And it's a corner house, so you can do a neat perspective. Then I took... I took a tiny book class at San Francisco Center for the Book with Monica Holtzclaw, who is a bookbinder, and she is a member of the Miniature Book Society, which I think I need to join because I am obsessed with tiny books now. I have always loved bookbinding, and I bind most of my own sketchbooks, which is a whole other conversation that I should probably talk about sometime because it's something that I really love to do. And that's what got me that's what got me painting on a regular basis in the first place. Because mm-hmm. I loved to make the sketchbook. I went to this class at the Center for the Book and we spent all day making the teeniest little books and I didn't realize they were gonna I mean, they're smaller than a thumbnail.
0: Yep. They are amazingly tiny.
1: Monica is wearing one around her neck right now. And it's, I mean, it's so wee. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's almost too tiny to do anything with the ones that we made in class. Although I do have an idea to draw an eye or a set of eyes, like on each facing page, you know, so that it's like as you turn the pages, just different (laughs) eyeballs. So when I went home, she sent us home with these little care packages of, materials some of hers had little button closures on them wow and some had um cloth spines they were just really magical and i am transfixed by the tiny book thing because it sort of falls in line with what i'm thinking for my christmas card and i know some of you because monica just did it are raising your eyebrows and or rolling your eyes that I'm talking about my Christmas card in May. But if you'll recall, it took me like all of November and most of December to create my Christmas card last year. And I seriously love to make the Christmas card.
0: I know, no, I, to- I love it. It's like not at all my thing, right? Yeah. But, but I'm, the girl is like, ooh, four day sweater knit along, how awesome. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Every year, what I try to
1: do is try something different. So, like, one year I taught myself to screen print. Last year I wrote a chapbook. And before that, I mean, I was doing all different. I've always made different Christmas cards. So this year, while I still want to do another chapbook, I'm trying to think of how I can bring in a new technique to make it a challenge for myself.
0: Because that's what you want in the holidays.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Monica. So it doesn't... I mean, it might end up being another chapbook like last year because I loved that whole process. But my my big takeaway from last year was I started it like four months too late. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I'm really trying to think about it now. Sure. And I would love to have a like a full concept and maybe even a mock-up before we leave for our trip. So over the next month, I don't think I'm going to make tiny books for everyone, but making the tiny books is a great way to think about this idea that I have, and I'm not telling any more than that. Okay. Except that it's a lot of illustrating, and I don't know how I'm going to reproduce the illustrations. If it'll be screen printing, or if I will draw, paint, scan, print, that kind of thing, or if I'm going to do, not really a mono print, but a different kind of printing. I look forward to seeing what you come okay. up So that was the tiny book thing, and now I'm making lots of little tiny books because they're just so fun. And I also made you and me mm-hmm. our travel books for the summer. Yes. So this is from Allie Edwards, who is um, a memory keeper out of Oregon. She does a lot of scrapbooking type things. The last summer, she did a um, stories of travel class on, through her website, and with that, it had it has a lot of lessons. I think Allie came up with this concept because she was she'd go on a trip and come home and have all of these bits and pieces, and then then it would just kind of sit there, like no book or anything would manifest from it, mm-hmm. no physical thing. And so she was, I think she was trying to think of a way to make the memory keeping happen a little easier for when she went on a trip. And so she designed like a traveler's journal for trip taking. And it's included with her Stories of Travel class. I did it last year before we went to Hawaii. And it's just like a traveler's journal folio. It's like four inches by eight and a quarter. And it's just paper and you, it's Allie's design and you print it out double-sided and then you staple it and off you go and you take it on your trip with you. And it has your travel manifesto, a travel alphabet. So it's, she says, using the power of observation to document A through Z. And so for this page, when you're traveling with, tweens or teenagers it's really hard to get them involved in anything (laughs) (laughs) arguably but this was really fun with my kids because I would take this with us to dinner every night and we'd sit down and be like okay what did we see you know I still need letters k and o and r like what can you know or we would just fill it in together and that was really fun and they were laughing about it and it was great. There's also like top 10 moments and travel by the numbers. Think lists of things that we purchased. So once the kids had thumbed through the Traveler's Journal a few times, they knew the categories. Mm -hmm. And so when we'd sit down for dinner, they'd say, oh, don't forget to add that to the book. So there's a a bunch of different fill-ins like that. And then there's a full page for each day that you're traveling. And Allie's book is 12 um, 12 days long and then at the back of it there's little there's a grid for putting in like little scraps from your trip like ticket stubs and mm-hmm. business cards and that kind of thing and it's a really simple book and it's very easy to travel with and my kids were participatory which is that that's awesome I mean that's a huge win yeah so this year um, I just printed out another copy for Monica, and then mine, I had to add some pages to, so I had to do a little bit of re-engineering for that one, but I really recommend this class for people who are interested in, um, it's not really scrapbooking, it just feels more like memory yeah. keeping or journaling, and that's at the Allie Edwards website, and we'll put a link for it in there.
0: Yeah. And I love it because it is while you're in the moment, Uh huh. and I generally do photo albums, I use Shutterfly when we come back, and I'm pretty good about keeping up to date on that. And we've also, for a while now, we've been doing, on the way home, flight, or as we're going in the car or whatever, um, we try and do our top 50 moments. And if you do that many, you have to get pretty specific about whatever event. Like, I really like the time when we had the mint chip ice cream with the rainbow sprinkles. I mean, you're really, you're digging into all your memories. But it also, that does get a little repetitive and yeah the kids aren't as into it they're you know it's like oh we're traveling I just want to look at my video games so I really like the idea of doing it while we're there you and know, it kind of you know focuses
1: and when you come home your book is nearly yeah. complete so in the travel by the number section Ally's has you know like 14 different categories and I added to it number of gelatos Number of churches, yeah. number of pizzas, since we're headed to Italy.
0: Yeah. So that felt relevant. And there was stuff in there for before you go, right? Like what everybody's yeah. looking forward to. And, yeah. You know, so that'll be...
1: Things we want to see and do, we can sort of brainstorm ahead of time. And, and I always think, even for Hawaii, you know, I thought we were just going to a beach vacation. And we ended up learning so much more about the Polynesian culture and the... The Hawaiian natives and why there might be some resistance to U.S. you know or mainland politics that kind of thing. That was very educational for us, and I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. So it it was nice to have a place to document those kinds of thoughts while we were traveling. Yeah. So that is what I've I've been doing some bookmaking. Nice.
0: All to say. Yes. All right. on the table. Yes. That's you. Okay. okay. What are you cooking? Not terribly much. I did all my dessert cooking last time, <laughs> and then I kind of slacked off. We're down to the end of the school year, so things are getting a little crazy. One kid is back on the sailing, and the other one's finishing up and still has soccer. And So kind of back to the kind of multi-prepping sauce business. Um, and it wasn't quite as intentional this week. I was sort of looking at some different recipes, and I realized as I was making my grocery list that there was a lot of, I guess it's just spring kind of things that I was drawn to. So I ended up, two of my dishes this week had leeks, two with cauliflower, two with Gruyere cheese. It's delicious. You know, so I felt pretty good about that, where I was prepped all the leeks and just used, then save them. I still have to use the second night. And the same with the Gruyere, grated, grated it all at once. So last night, actually, I didn't even get to eat this because I was at a board meeting for the school, so I made this for the boys. I was back on the Wimpy Vegetarian site. We reviewed her cookbook a while ago, um, and I hadn't looked at it in a while, so I went back to the site, and she had um, a greer and asparagus quiche, so vegetarian, but also gluten-free because she used um, frozen hash browns as the base. instead That's of, a brilliant idea. Right? And so you kind of cook them in the pie pan, beforehand so they get a little crispy Crispy. and then you know it's a kind of a traditional quiche i think she did it a little bit lighter but i was like whatever i don't have time for egg whites so i just choose a whole egg (laughs) and apparently it was good i did not as i said get to eat it but it was all gone when i got home so always a good sign i'll I'll think that was good and then tonight i'm doing a cauliflower tetrazzini so we'll see how that goes Um, i did cauliflower bolognese earlier that one was from bon appetit online um, Excellent. So using cauliflower and mushrooms as your base instead of a ground meat. Mm-hmm. And the only thing with bolognese, or, and I think it's this way with traditional, I always think of it as being kind of super saucy and red, like a red sauce with just some ground meat. And it's really not. No,
1: it's more meat it's more, and carrots. Yeah,
0: exactly. So this was very chunky. And you used tomato paste. So that it was a really deep flavor, but then it was so not saucy that I wanted to, I tried adding water to kind of thin it out to make it a little more... To cling to the pasta a little more and that kind of took away the depth of flavor so i've got to think about how i want that to work sometimes i
1: you i have a an immersion blender you know Mm -hmm. the handheld pulse blender and i will when i'm making a meat sauce or really any kind of sauce Mm -hmm. if it's not emulsifying or whatever the right word is if it doesn't look saucy enough I'll use that immersion blender and sort of get the texture to be more consistent. That's it's a, it's a little finer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I chopped everything in the in the food mm. processor, so it was, you know, pretty pretty chopped up. There were a couple chunks in there, but nothing Yeah. Too much. There just wasn't a lot of liquid. So, mm. okay. So, uh, interesting. And you can't uh, add chicken stock? No, I mean, yeah, you could add I guess you could add vegetable broth. I was thinking maybe if you did Maybe a little bit of tomato sauce just so that you kept that mm-hmm. richness of flavor because the water just kind of and I use I mean, I use pasta cooking water. Oh, yeah, that's always so, good, but it still just diluted the the depth. Hmm. Yeah, oh, and the other thing I'm doing with the Greer is a rhubarb and charred gratin. I
1: from my love rhubarb book. fruit and cheese together. Yeah, I love when an apple pie
0: has like shards of cheddar in it. Uh, yeah, ah, that's so good. So we'll see how this. I mean, this is definitely savory because of the the chard. Yeah, it sounds but awesome. Yeah, so we'll see how that works that that will report back on. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, so I felt in terms of my like New Year's goals of prepping things, I felt felt like I was making some progress. How All
1: about right. you? Um I'm making no progress in that department <laughs> this week because my younger son made it to the baseball playoffs, and we had like playoff games and then championship games. And because we had all that rain, yeah. they were like piled up on a week night, uh, right? Or wait, week nights. It's been a weird month. Totally, and so we had dinner at an urban ballpark here. You know, <laughs> not I'm talking like a park in the city, yeah. not. Not Giants Stadium or Oracle Arena, whatever it's called now. So we had, you know, takeout sandwiches one night. Mm -hmm. And then they won that game. And so the next night, we were all back there again. (laughs) My parents were
0: like, yay. Yeah, with our
1: hats on. And it was so cold. And then at the end of that game, the kids were just so happy. We took them to pizza. We went to Little Star. Oh, They do a gluten-free, I think. I think so. Gluten Star, or gluten
0: star that would be great
1: <laughs> little star is a fabulous thin crust pizza they also they're known a deep... their... yeah they're okay. known for their deep dish but when you go someplace with six 13 year old boys yeah. who are hungry you do not want to wait 40 minutes for the deep well, dish no. you want the pizza and you want it now
0: <laughs> yes you probably want it five minutes ago
1: yeah so we took the boys to pizza a whole group of them and that was nice. so fun so we had a lot of nights leading up to that where I wasn't really cooking. It was
0: sometimes f- you... my
1: fair share of tortellini. Just can't, yeah. <laughs> and so the only when I looked back at what I had been making over the past couple weeks, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, um, my teenager was going to a friend's <laughs> house, and um, and I sent chocolate chip cookies with him because he was gonna stay for the night. So I baked. My chocolate chip cookies. Nice. And then there was a bake sale at the school. <laughs> and so it caught me off guard. We had a, a game that night oh. and a bake sale the next day. And so I made brownies from a box and I am not ashamed of it well at done. all because they were awesome. And I recommend the Ghirardelli box brownies. Okay. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah. They were perfect, and I had to make so many of them. I mean, come on. Yeah. No-brainer. So really the only original (laughs) thing (laughs) that I've made in the past two weeks.
0: I mean, you made chocolate chip cookies, so.
1: I know, but that's, I've talked about that before, is the baked oatmeal.
0: Oh, And it's so
1: cold that you want baked oatmeal right now. And so this recipe, we talked about baked oatmeal months ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't really finding a recipe that I liked and my friend Mia had brought me one morning she had brought me like a little pan um, or a giant square of her baked oatmeal and she gave me the recipe nice. and I last night or two nights ago was thinking, you know we're out all the time I don't have anything for breakfast tomorrow so I threw together the baked oatmeal the night before and when my husband came in he was like ooh dessert. <laughs> <laughs> And I cut back the sugar a fair bit, and I added in a bunch of walnuts. Mm. Um, so it really felt more like breakfast than dessert. Delicious,
0: super easy. Yeah. And so I'm sorry, you said you got a square of it, so it is actually like a. It holds up like solid... a bar.
1: It's not loose at all. Oh okay. It's oats, sugar or brown sugar, baking so baking powder and salt, and then eggs, milk, and melted butter. Mm-hmm. And I added walnuts. And I think when I make it again, I, m- I might put in a splash of vanilla. I think it could use a little bit yeah. of that. And I think I put in maybe a heaping too much of oats. A heaping too much. That's my <laughs> official measurement. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit dry, but that was my fault because I always think, oh, more oats are better. So What size pan? I did it in my 8x8 brownie
0: pan. Oh, okay.
1: It was How about long? three cups of oats and, you know, ratios. Well, I'll put the recipe on. the.
0: Okay. How long did it last?
1: Well, it's just me who eats it oh. well, my, and my oh. husband for dessert, of course. But it's probably nine servings, you know, three. Oh, servings. three
0: three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay.
1: Really nice, really easy. I'm happy to have a baked oatmeal go-to recipe. Yeah. All
0: so, right. Yeah, I'll have to check that thanks, out. Thanks, Mia. My people do like oats, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll try and...
1: Yeah, it, it seems really versatile, and you can do a lot with it. You know, add-ins and that kind of thing. So that is it.
0: Well done. Well, so let's talk about what we're looking forward to for the summer, because we did that in the spring, what kind of things we were looking forward to cooking. And our summer is weird, because as we've mentioned, it's not hot. No, We get the fog. We're right on the ocean. It's a marine layer, whatever it is. So it's, you know, the magazines come out, and they have all the lovely pictures of people grilling Barbecuing. and having yeah. fresh corn. And we've got a wind and fog whipping down the avenues. So it's...
1: I know. I feel on. like But then we should be Southern Hemisphere just for June and July.
0: Yeah. But then we go visiting places. And it is like the kids are off of school. So it's a whole different kind of dynamic as far as what they're doing. There's not so much stuff. Or at least my house is not so much stuff at night. It's all... Yeah, same. are still doing stuff day. I'm definitely stealing one of your ideas. The kids cooking? Uh-huh. So my mom started this, and she would make during the summer. My sister and I, I can't remember if we each had to do it or we could do it together, but we each had to make dinner once a week during the summer. And now that I am a parent, I realize how much more actual work that is for her. Maybe <laughs> eventually it stopped being work, but right now it's a lot of work because they yeah. just, you forget how much they just don't know and they're just just but I mean it's great so but the whole concept of reading the recipe and which one is the tablespoon and what's the you know the abbreviation for tablespoon versus teaspoon and okay what does searing mean and you know so it's great that they're learning all this stuff um and so I've been doing we are are really trying to raise self-sufficient young men yes yes so it's been good but it's hilarious what recipes they pick Oh, Um, yeah, the Beef Wellington. The Beef Wellington is the classic. (laughs) Last year I had Declan, he just, like, he would do steak and hamburgers. Generally get him to kind of scale back, but Dash, like, wanted to do the Beef Wellington, I figured, okay, you know, if it gets them cooking, let's do it. It's summer, whatever. So it's, and it was delicious, and it's basically a meatloaf wrapped in puff pastry. Um, (laughs) It's really good, and I think he's going to want to do it again. Oh, and my other rule is they can only pick pasta once. Oh, I like that. Because otherwise, they, they would just make pasta, which would not be a bad thing, but we don't eat that much pasta. So, and, I, and I've and i done it where they, it's if they have camp that week, they don't have to do it because then you know, they're gone all day. But we might have to revise that because real life, you go to work, you come home, you still got to make dinner. That's right. I was thinking they would pick like scrambled eggs and breakfast that. for dinner. Simple. My guys like that. Simple. They want to do simple things. But nope, they're like, Jamie Oliver, let's go complicated. Baked brie and... <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're interesting. Love it. Yeah.
1: What do you think your guys will pick? I think Nathan will make ribs
0: oh, that'd be for
1: everyone. Although that means a lot of ribs because he can eat so many on his own. Yeah. And I think my younger son, Matthew, he would probably surprise me with something.
0: Like Gramby Wellington.
1: Yeah. Now I'm, I'm curious. Well, one of the things that we talked about for our travels was Italy offers so many cooking classes, but it's, you know, make your own pasta or I didn't really look at the list, but my husband found a Napoleon and cannoli class and the kids were much more on board with the dessert making than they were with arduous pasta making. So that might be something that we do. That would be fun. And when we travel, we generally stay at Airbnbs. So it allows us to go to a local market, Mm -hmm. you know, shop locally. And sometimes while we love to go out to eat, and I think Italy will be much more friendly for the boy's palate than, say, Scandinavia was. Yeah. We probably will cook in a little bit here and there, and that is always fun to go to a foreign grocery store and try something new.
0: Cool. Yeah, I don't know what else. Are there any foods you're looking forward to?
1: I love risotto for when we're in Italy. And maybe, oh, I did pull out uh, my paella pan, thinking of risotto. That's something that I like to make in the summer. Oh, sure, yeah. With everything. You know, all the vegetables, all the seafood, and a really nice little bit of sausage maybe. Mm-hmm. But that might be good for one of these game nights. You yeah. know, that with the Warriors stuff happening. So paella and we eat tons of zucchini in the summertime, even though we can't we don't really grow them here. Or I don't grow them here. I grate zucchini for everything. You know, a base for a sauce, or into a frittata, or as a side to some chicken, or you know, everything. So,
0: have you done it grated raw with like a vinaigrette?
1: No, I always I always, always, sat- I always yeah. do a, a really light saute. Okay,
0: kind of almost like a pickle. Ooh, fun! Yeah, um, and that's I really like that. It just it's a totally different flavor from.
1: Is it in the little zucchini cookbook? The, there might the... be one in there.
0: I don't, think I, that's where I, I don't think that's where I got it from. I can't remember. I've seen it a couple different versions. One where you grate it, one where you do big... Um, Ribbons. Yeah. That <laughs> Sorry, I'm making a ribbon appealing gesture. Yeah. And I couldn't think what word I wanted. I have one, one of the... Because my people are not big zucchini fans, but yeah, that seems right. to be... The vinegar kind of makes it a different enough taste mm-hmm. that they will accept it. I have a, a zucchini spiralizer. But that thing just
1: really hurts my wrist because it's just a manual yeah. one. Unless somebody else is willing to stand there and turn Spiral. zucchinis for 20 minutes, I just grate
0: it. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, I think the one I'm the recipe I'm looking forward to making, um, it's a dinner, a love story recipe. I think it's in this, her, it's on the website and it's in her second cookbook, I think. And it's a corn, tomato and chorizo and chicken. Ooh, to wait till Simon's out of town. Um, <laughs> stew, it's not super saucy. I mean, you kind of saute it all, and then the tomatoes and the corn kind of break down a little and give it a little bit of sauce, and then with the chicken and the chorizo. Is that a, you,
1: in a skillet?
0: Yeah, nice. So it cooks pretty fast, um, and if you have the fresh corn and tomatoes, then it's really light and summery. But it's still hearty enough for our cold weather that mm-hmm. it kind of gives you that nice both seasons.
1: I think we're going to start to see, like, bushels of basil coming in from the Central Valley, too, uh, and yeah. I love to make pesto, Yeah, like fresh pesto,
0: and then put it on everything. Yeah, that'll be good, too. Which, everybody at my house likes pesto, so that's a winner. And then the other thing, oh, I just pulled out, and I haven't done too much out of it, but um, I have a book called Salad for Dinner. I forget who it's by. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and it's all... A lot of it is green salads, but, um, you know, different combos, but then a lot of it is more vegetable salads or chicken salad, kind of all these mm-hmm. things. Um, so I was looking through that and there were a couple of ones that I thought I might pull out because it is so modular,
1: yeah, right? right? So yeah. I can,
0: you know, mix and match for all my various dining needs here. So yeah, and I thought that would be a good kind of summer summer meal. Sounds good. Yeah. Bring it on. I'm going to make chili tonight. I know, I say this, like, salad, it'll be great. Every once in a while we have nice weather. I know, it's like 48 degrees (laughs) out. Yeah, it's true. I think my heater went on the other other morning. Like, really? Crazy. All right, on the nightstand, what did I read? I finished both the books that I was working on last time. So I finished Overstory by Richard Powers, which is the tree one. And I really liked it. Yeah. Relief. Yeah, so this is the one. It starts off, it's like nine or ten little chapters, each about a different person, and kind of their early life, and there's a tree in Associated, them. yeah. And then it all kind of comes together, and they shenanigans ensue. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen uh, that in a while. I there think we were, go. They were shenanigans. Um, but it's also the story of trees, and how we're losing our forests, and what that's going to mean for people, and... And it was making me think of Unsheltered, the Barbara Kingsolver one, but I didn't feel like I was being yelled at. And I was trying to figure out why, because there were some preachy parts in that, in Overstory. And so I was trying to figure out what the difference was, and I did not come up with a good answer. I was wondering if you would if You would notice that. I didn't notice that, but it's so smart
1: of you to to see the correlation.
0: And they're both very environmental horror story stories. Yeah. Awesome. I think
1: yeah. in part because of how ha- the tenor of the Richard Powers is it's a much broader lens, right? And so we are looking at it from historically That's true. look no. what we did to the trees.
0: Yeah. And the main part of the action takes place early nineties. Right, which so is it's... also at a remove. Yeah.
1: And I feel like the characters he gives us are doing their they're doing their best. Right. You know, without all of the knowledge that not that we have any more knowledge in some cases, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas the character in unsheltered is really just strong arming you. Like we are all in on the same page. You know, like, yeah. we're I don't know, I just felt like she was preaching to the choir unnecessarily.
0: And overstory the characters were a little bit they weren't all ideal people. I mean, they had they had flaws. Yes. So the message is good, but that's not the way to go about it. So, yeah. You kind of inform yourself. But um, I really liked it. And I really wanted to go up to Mirror Woods and look at the Redwoods. <laughs> like, I know. We need to go see some trees this summer. Yeah, I, I was
1: so compelled by that overstory that I considered a 100 day project where I just drew nothing but trees. Yep. I mean, I was really into. That book, it, it moved me. Um, and I ended up getting a couple tree guides because of it so yes. that I could read more about invasive species and common diseases that afflict some of our classic American trees. And, um, and I just wanted to be able to identify trees more easily. I mean, I love a book that is well-written and sticks with me, and then nudges me to pursue some curiosity about it. Right. I mean, that's really
0: fulfilling. Yeah, that takes you down a rabbit hole yeah. of something else. That's always fun. Yeah. 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 No, so, this was this was a beautiful, beautiful book. I thought. I really good. I was really glad I read that one. And then I made it through Black Leopard, Red Wolf, and i was so glad I did. Oh, really? It was really, really okay. good. Okay. Yeah. And then I just realized it's part of a trilogy. Yeah, so I boring. knew that. I didn't realize it. And it doesn't at all feel like a trilogy. I got to the end. I didn't realize that it was going to be a trilogy until I went to put it in Goodreads and it said, you know, book one. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did not at all feel like that. Um, So I think, you know how like HBO, they have a new series and they put all of the things in the first two episodes, like all the sex, all the drugs, all the violence. (laughs) And then they kind of sit back and they get into the show and the characters and they'll have some you know stuff going on but it's part of the story that's kind of what happened here okay so the beginning was like i don't know if i could do this but the writing was really good and the story was really good that's interesting and so i got into it and it's still there's a lot of language the world he's depicting is pretty harsh so yeah the harsh language it works is it absolutely necessary i don't know it's not my thing but the story was good He goes on a quest. There's a, they're searching for a lost child. There's monsters. There's betrayal. There's all the things. Um, (laughs) And I, yeah. And I really just wanted to see what was going to happen. Like, you really care about this character. And he's absolutely flawed. Kind of like those dark, noir detectives, the heart of gold, but like very, very dark. What was the word I want? Oh, gritty. Gritty Mm. was the word I was looking for. So, yeah. So I ended up really liking it. I don't know that I would feel super comfortable with my 15-year-old reading it. Yeah. At the same time, I think I was 16 when I picked up my first trashy novel, so... Or trashy romance. What uh, was
1: it? Do you remember?
0: It was a Jude Devereux. I oh, think something sorry. in Scotland. Highlanders, yeah. <laughs> um, and I borrowed it from my grandmother, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that my mom knew I was reading it. Oh, hi, Mom. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, it, you know, it depends on your kid and what, what they are into. I mean, it was definitely an adventure story. I'm definitely glad I, I made it through and I'm looking Great. forward to the next one. Great. And then I just started Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi, And she wrote, she's written a bunch of things. Um, the one I've read is Boy Snowbird. I've never read anything. Yeah, her. she's, I want to say she's from Nigeria. Anyway. She writes in this kind of almost mystical, mystical's not, like a magic, it's kind of magical realism. Okay. So that these kind of beautiful stories with sort of weird stuff happening. So the the characters in this one, there's a grandmother, mother, daughter, um, and they live in London. The daughter's in high school, and she doesn't really seem to have friends. She's kind of quiet. And the mom and the grandmother came from this land that Wikipedia says doesn't exist. It's just fictional. And they're like, well, we're from there, so obviously it does. So there's that kind of weirdness, and then she makes gingerbread, and it's kind of not quite magical, but there's something weird about it, and it's you know recipe from their homeland. And I and the mom has a friend named Gretel. So I think the synopsis says there's it's sort of a retelling of Hansel and Gretel, and not exactly a retelling, an adaptation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not terribly far into it, but it's just I love the way she writes. It's just sort of weird and magical. Okay, and, and much less cursing and, and things than the book I just finished. So,
1: well, I'm interested to hear more about her as an author, and so let's circle
0: back around to that next time we record. Yeah, I, when you finished, I'm okay. far enough in that I I feel like I can't say too much about the plot because there's some mm-hmm. some changes going on pretty quickly at the beginning. But I really I remember and actually I can't even remember anything about what the boy Snowbird was about except that I really enjoyed reading it. Mm. Plot's kind of tend To go out of my head, but when I saw, I think this is her latest book, and when I saw it on my you know, the new releases from the library, I was like, Yep, need that. So, fun, and I'm definitely enjoying it. And then, did you see that Kate Atkinson has a new book coming out? I am really
1: hoping, and it's a
0: new Jackson Brody.
1: Awesome, yeah. I'm so to Saturday is the book of the month, oh. choose your book day, and I'm really hoping that. They snagged an early release because it doesn't publish until mid June.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: So I'm kind of hoping that it's Ooh. a book of the month because I will definitely yes. grab it if so. Yeah, I've already I'll got let it. you know.
0: I've got it on hold at the library. Oh. for when it comes in. But I mean, they'll they have to get it and yeah, blah blah blah. How about you? you? I read a very interesting
1: book called The Binding by Bridget Collins. Do you remember
0: this is books or witchcraft? Both. <laughs> okay,
1: excellent. Love How do you like them? Albums? I love it. Um, do you remember that author Sarah Waters? Yes. She wrote the gothic, mm-hmm. Victorian, kind of dark stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like that, in in terms of uh, atmosphere. Okay. So I was taking the mini, the tiny bookmaking class, mm-hmm. and then picked up this book the binding. And I thought, oh, how fun. I'm making books and I'm going to read about making books. La la la. (laughs)
0: Not so much.
1: Whoa. (laughs) Nope. Usually when I read about books, it's all the magic that a book contains and how you can get lost in the world. And, you know, books are wonderful. Not so much in this scenario. The books in the binding, it's that, what's the best way to describe this? When I was taking, doing my MFA in fiction, Mm -hmm. every fiction class would say, you know, I had professors who would say, I don't want to know if this is based on your life. This is a fiction class and we can't critique it as well as if you tell us that this is true. It can be based in reality, but like you have to be willing to edit it and make it a good story. Right. Well, this world of books, all of the books are based on people's secrets and so mm-hmm. a binder is somebody who can extract a secret out of another human and it falls into a book and then they forget about the secret so there are some people who walk around who've been bound and have forgotten what it was and then their secrets are meant to be locked away but they're you know it's never that clean
0: no. are they did they ask to have their secrets removed well are people taking their secrets
1: both. You have to consent to having your, your story taken okay. by a binder, but there are ways to force somebody into it. Mm. And right off the bat, we learn, like one of the first encounters with somebody who needs binding is because it is a terrible scenario, something that this young girl wants to forget. Oh, okay. That kind of thing.
0: So a trauma more than like I killed oh, yeah. someone and
1: I yeah I mean most of these things that people want to forget mm. are traumas or their masters like the man of the house who's like taken advantage. I have to say it's all very subversive. They don't they don't go into detail. She doesn't go into detail about these traumas. Oh, okay, it's all very. Um, Left to your imagination. Yeah, which is almost worse for me in some cases because I have a
0: You have a I have imagination. Yeah.
1: Seen way too much special victims unit. (laughs) (laughs) What was so compelling about the book was this notion that books contain other people's secrets. That's not so far from the truth. So I was Captivated by this book, and the main character becomes a binder. He is someone who has the gift of extracting a story from someone, and then makes crafts a beautiful book. Oh wow! It. I I don't know. I think it it's a really interesting read, and though it does have those harder thematic, suggestive veins running through it, um, the concept is really compelling. Then. I did an abrupt 180 and read No Ordinary Time, which finally came in from the library list, which is a Doris Kearns Goodwin from several years ago. And it is looking at the presidency of FDR and his marriage with Eleanor. Interesting. Very interesting, especially in light of our current president, because... And I think where 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 I was really interested in FDR's story was he was certainly not perfect. And he he had affairs and he maneuvered things politically to his benefit. Right. And should there have been more technology, he
0: would have, he been, would have been
1: scandalized. <laughs> and he would he was also kept hidden his his disability, and, and I guess now, looking back on that, we all know it, but I think mm-hmm. we take it for granted. But I think my grandparents must not have known, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. kept it hidden until the very end of his life, how much he relied on other people. How well, much...
0: even when they were gonna do the memorial for him, like whether or not to have him in the wheelchair I think was a big thing. Right. So And that's yeah pretty recent.
1: Yeah. I just, I guess I had never thought about his presidency through the lens of his marriage. He wanted Eleanor to be very much a part of his life, but he also needed her to go out on the road and meet with people and do these social things. And it was a double-edged sword for him because he needed her to be a physical presence out in the world because he couldn't and things were not accessible to him because he had to keep it relatively hidden, and so he has sent her to be his emissary all over the United States, and in some cases, to Europe, and she was profoundly good at it. There's some suggestion that her ability to go out and represent him did good things for the feminist movement, you know, and it, it certainly helped women in factory settings, and you know, she fought for equal pay for equal work, it was really interesting portrait of their marriage, but it was also very candid about his human failings, too. I was, I was totally interested in it. Doris Kearns Goodwin is an amazing writer, and it's all very readable. The stories and anecdotes really keep you moving. It feels a little bit salacious to read about women who caught his eye, mm-hmm. but I also feel like it's important to remember that these people who become leaders are still just human. And and I think that was a good reminder. Maybe not one I needed.
0: <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah, I don't think I've read any of her books. And they all sound really good. Oh, she's so good. Yeah.
1: They're they're long, you know, they take a they're a bit of a commitment. Well, but um
0: long doesn't scare me. No, that's true.
1: Then Because we did our bingo grid, Mm -hmm. one of the squares on there was to read something published before you were born. Yes. I have been wanting to read The Trumpet of the Swan. Oh, yeah. Have you ever read that? I think so. I certainly hadn't. And it... It's a kid's book or... It is. It's like Charlotte's Web or or Stuart Little. Now, Charlotte's Web is near perfection, if you ask me. (laughs) Um, I did not feel that way about Trumpet of the Swan. It has not aged well Mm. for two reasons. E.B. White goes really slightly too far in the anthropomorphizing of the animals in his book, in this particular book, to the point where the swan has to earn money. I mean, there's a reason why this particular swan has to earn money, That makes it, it just feels weird to me. And it was sort of a turnoff. The other thing that is maybe not so much his fault is it has very old-fashioned gender scenarios. You know, where the the mother stays home and takes care of the children and the father is always right and she placates him and it's uh, just a little tiresome.
0: So not... Not your
1: most Not favorite. Not my most favorite. Oh. No. And yeah, I was really, I was really hoping because I was hoping it would be this like real gem, but it just, I don't think it's aged as well as Charlotte's Web or Stuart Little. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I am all for anthropomorphizing <laughs> animals. I mean, I live for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the money part of it was just over, overdone. Yeah. Yeah. But I get to check off a square on my... Well, and I forgot to look and see what year it was. I'm certain it was published before I was born. So I speaking of
0: bingo... Yeah. So have you done any other squares? Um, I don't... You don't know? think so. So I wanted to clarify the hashtag. Oh, yes. Because I think last time I said it in reverse, and then when we put it on the bingo card, we did it differently. So the one on the bingo card is the one you should use on Instagram. When you want to. The CCRR
1: Summer Bingo 2019. Correct. Okay.
0: Yeah, so that's the one to use definitely for your bingo card submission. And if you want to put pictures of what you're working on, um, you can use that hashtag as well so we can all see what everyone is up to. Although I haven't done that yet myself, so. <laughs> I haven't either, but I just finished <laughs> I it last night. That's true. So what did I do? Oh, Black Leopard, Red Wolf, author of color. I, I was hoping I would have my sweater finished so I could do it. A- check off a project finished, but uh, not yet. i done any cooking, I've not read by the water. Oh, I know, and I finished Overstory, I think the day before we started the um. Oh, bingo. the bingo? Because you recommended that one.
1: Does does your Alaska journal count as making a gift? Sure, <laughs> okay. You're and not
0: too Nice. Read really to use part book, no, oh yeah, make a gift. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I've got that one. <laughs> like planning out. What else do I want to talk about? And I realized I was looking at our stats and we had someone in New Zealand listening oh. to us. So where it is not summertime, but feel free to enter and make it work however it works for you. I think most of these are fairly yeah. I mean they're vacation y, but you know, however however you want to make it work if you want to. And then the vacation square. We kind of touched on this. The middle square, the, the middle free square. One is more practically free. Practically free so you can do a craft while on vacation, you can read a book about people being on vacation, you could do some cooking a dish that you remembered having on vacation. You could cook on vacation, so you could do that when you're in Italy. So really anything vaguely and now you know why for. I
1: didn't type all of that into the middle <laughs> yes.
0: square. So yeah, because not everybody is going to be doing a trip, but you're still still should be able to figure something out for for that center square. And the craft can be any kind of craft. It can be knitting, it can be bookmaking. Bookmaking, yeah. Really anything. Crafting. Rock we, painting. My rock painting It could be
1: mosaic tiles. Yeah. It can be sketching or gardening.
0: So yes, we do hope that you will post pictures of what you're you're doing, yeah. what books you're reading. And
1: we have this awesome little prize box coming together for some lucky yes. bingo winner. I do. Yeah. Monica's We're like, like <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I know we talked about it. So I'm all like, can you do this? Can you do this? Sure. And you're like, yes, I'm doing this and this. I have started the box. Excellent. And I'm building it. Excellent. Good. That's probably just as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that's it for now. And if you do have any other questions about the bingo, um, you can email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram.
1: I'm always there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're around a lot. So, or um, post a question in the episode thread because other people might have it as well. Yeah. So many ways to get in touch. All right. So enjoy your summer or winter or whatever it's doing in your of I know. Part of the it's world.
1: practically winter here. So we feel you,
0: New Zealand. Yeah. And remember to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or Courtney S.F. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.